Hello and welcome back to another episode of Millennialism with me, Adam Gavin. Every week I sit down to chat with a guest, or two guests as is the case today, about a topic that interests me. I've had entrepreneurs, authors, academics, pioneer filmmakers, TED speakers, philosophers, and a lot of friends just like today. Come on this show to discuss everything from social media to health, business to culture, personal development to global travel, and much, much more. Millennialism is the podcast for anyone who wants to learn more about anything and everything related to the life of a millennial. In 2018, Irish author Sally Rooney published her second novel, Normal People. You may have heard about it. It quickly became an international bestseller, and Rooney was hailed as the first great millennial novelist for her stories of love and late capitalism. In April this year, Hulu and BBC released a 12-episode TV series based on the novel. The story follows the relationship between Marianne Sheridan, played by Daisy Edgar-Jones, and Connell Waldron, played by Paul Mescal, or Mescal, I'm not sure, as they navigate adulthood from their final days in secondary school to their undergraduate years in Trinity College in Dublin. It is a beautiful look at two highly intelligent but socially complex people who are constantly mislabeled and misunderstood by everyone around them except each other. It can be very tricky and very hard to capture the words and feelings of a book into a visual and emotional piece of film, but this show really does it. Sensual, tender and intimate, it gently clutches your heart and makes you remember what it means to feel the complexities of love. Quiet and beautiful and subtle, Normal People is simply a beautiful piece told perfectly by two brilliant young actors. I watched the entire show last week and I have not been able to think about anything else since, basically. So today I asked my friends Katie Hannaby and John Gleason, John is Irish by the way, to join me here today to discuss the beautiful coming of age story and what it taught us about love and relationships. I know that Katie really loved the show, I know John really loved the book, so it might be really interesting. I know it's gonna be interesting. We compare and contrast the themes of normal people with our own lives and our own experiences and what we can learn from this honest, raw and heartfelt drama. Please let me know what you thought about this show or about the book and you can send me an email if you want to do that at hello at adamgavin.com or DM me on Instagram at adamgavin. For now, give it up for John and Katie. Alright, everyone, please welcome Katie Hannaby and John Gleason, which I just introduced, but I'm just reintroducing them here again. Good to see you guys. Great to see you, Adam. It's a, a pleasure to finally be uh, on this podcast with you. I knew that the day would come where you would put me under pressure and push me out of my comfort zone uh, and get me speaking on this podcast for the first time. So I know you. you're too polite to ask if you ever wanted to be on the show, so I have to force you. Yeah, no, it's definitely not something that I feel like uh, I'm would be, you know, particularly comfortable doing. But I've always admired you for just putting putting yourself out there every week. And so I thought um, when you came calling, I couldn't uh, couldn't say no um, and push myself a little bit further. Thank so, you, thanks. thank you. And anyone who's listened to every episode so far in this series, no. Katie, obviously, it's the, your third time on the show. You're the, uh, I don't think anyone has been on the show three times, so that's pretty big. How do you feel about yeah. that? Yeah, I feel honored, Adam, to be brought back once again to talk about such an important topic. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it seems like every time I don't know what to do for this podcast, I just call you up and, uh, and figure something out. Yeah, I don't know future. if I should feel flattered by this. I'm just your fallback. <laughs> <laughs> or no, a future co-host, perhaps. That's what yeah, I was maybe thinking, I need actually. more equity in this. <laughs> Honestly, that's what I, I was thinking about that before uh, uh, calling you up today. Because uh, I was like, it's so much work. It's, 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 it's a lot of fun calling up people you don't know and talking about interesting things. But it's also a lot easier to just have a scheduled meeting every week with the same person and talk about what happened that week. All right, but we'll, take these, we'll take these conversations offline. We'll continue <laughs> <these> later. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, but anyway, the main reason um, I wanted to have both of you on here today is not only to catch up, which is always great, but it's also because last week I sat down and watched an entire TV show, which both of you recommended to me, especially you, Katie. I know, John, you read the book. Uh, it's, it's called Normal People. And it was just, um, it was just released like 
a month and a half ago on Hulu and BBC, uh, and it's an incredible show. I've, I have already introduced it in the introduction of this episode, but I would love if you, Katie, could just give a quick recap of the story. So it's a devastatingly beautiful story about two young people in love who have a undeniable bond and connection with one another, but also don't really know what to do with that bond or connection. And you're kind of watching them go through these like early phases of their um, adult, early adult life and kind of going through some really key transitional moments, both together and apart. Um, but yeah, overall, it's kind of just a tra- uh, very tragic love story from start to end. What stood out most about the show for you? Um, I think for me, it was just a really realistic, realistic interpretation of young love and its messiness. Um, and I just thought it was, you know, it was beautifully shot. The characters were really complex. Um, and overall, it was just kind of a beautiful story that was, it didn't have any like really sharp climaxes but kept you hooked the whole way through absolutely i couldn't agree more and john you you said you read the book about six months ago obviously i guess being from ireland just asked the just like the author i don't know if it was a required read for all irish people but what do you remember most from the book um yeah i mean funny enough it was a, an american friend uh an old roommate that's passed me on the book um but i had heard of it um and as you guys know um having lived with me for a bit i'm not the biggest reader and a book might sit there on the same page for a couple of weeks um so uh, i've even you know said in the past that a goal um in one year for me is to to read a single book um <laughs> something which was on my hinge profile and didn't get too much of a positive reaction but um, it wasn't an issue with this book and I just was immediately uh, taken by it. And I always found myself, uh, I mean, after reading it, I was immediately kind of, you know, recommending it to people. Um, and I would often sort of cite her writing style. Um, and anybody who knows me well would roll their eyes at me when I say that because um, they'd rightly point out that I had only read one writing style that year. But uh, the, I just felt that it was something totally different to what I'd read before. Um, I liked the way she gave us um, both perspectives and it kind of went... Um, I, I don't know if that was the same uh, in the show, actually, but literally from chapter to chapter, uh, we got a the perspective of Marianne and then we got the perspective of Connell. Um, and that was an interesting way of doing it. Um, uh, but in general, I just thought her style was really very unique. And it was obviously filled with lots of Irish um, idiosyncrasies and stuff that I kind of I got to relate to even more. Um, but uh, I guess it's appealed to not just the Irish. So she managed to um, just conceal those well, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Uh and they do kind of do a similar thing in the show. They don't really show like, uh, you know, this is Connell's pers- perspective, this is Marianne's perspective, but they kind of like, they're intertwined, but you can still see it from both their points of view. Um, and w- the first thing like I thought about when I uh, started watching the show is that uh, obviously besides the accent, I do think you and Connell have a lot of, uh, in common, I don't know if you got that from reading the book, but really, uh, that's interesting. Yeah, uh, but I mean, yeah, I mean, Athletic. you're both Irish. Irish heart throbs. Athletic yeah, really, <laughs> really, and yeah. uh, you both wear very, very short shorts when working out. Right, uh, but but the similarities yeah. didn't stop there. I think, I think, because he was such a likable character and like so effortlessly liked by everyone as well. And I, I that's something I, I. Uh, I see in you as well. So I was just wondering, like, how, if if you could describe Connell, what you what you thought about him? 
Um, well, thank you very much for those lovely compliments. Um, <laughs> I I did find uh, myself, I think, relating to Connell most, um, and I would say he he begins um, begins the book as the popular character, um, and but is clearly you know that popularity is important to him, and we see him, I guess, sacrificing. Uh, Marianne's feelings to to maintain that popularity um, and then he's sort of faced with uh, moving to Dublin where I think most of his friends from what I remember didn't really do make the same trip um, and all of a sudden he has to start from scratch um, and I, I sort of I could definitely relate to that in a way not because I was the super popular guy in high school but just that if you're not um I think like raring to go and looking to meet new friends um that it can be difficult making that transition um from high school to college uh and if you're lacking in confidence in any way, which I think Connell probably was, um, it can be hard to to make friends in those early days. Um, and I I could definitely sort of share. I, I felt the same, and we can talk a bit more about that later if you want. But um, yeah, so he, he's just a guy that goes from the popular high school kid to somebody who struggles a little bit to fit in. Um, once he makes it to university. Yeah, I could. That's a that's a very good description, I think. And I, I can I could also relate when watching the show to that thing of like you leave, you're leaving a small town, you go to this big place, you're trying to fit in and then you you kind of do. But then you get and when you get home back to the small town again, you don't really fit in there either. So you're like stuck somewhere in between. Mm. Um, and yeah. uh Anyway, let's move on from Connell. Uh, Katie, could you please describe what you thought about Marianne, what she's like? Marianne is a fundamentally flawed character, that's for sure. Um, she is, I think, wants to come across as just ultimately like not caring what people think about her, but obviously does deeply care what people think about her. Um, and I think you really see that in the way that she transitioned from kind of being this, you know, um, loner person person during high school to then transitioning into this kind of more of a social butterfly in college and starting to really take on this, you know, popular persona kind of in the opposite role that Connell had. Um, but she's obviously incredibly smart, um, but a little bit emotionally stunted, I would say. Yeah, uh, for sure. Uh, yeah, and it, I think it's very interesting how they kind of go, as you said, John, uh, Connell is this very popular guy in, in high school without not like he's not trying to be. It's just kind of this like hometown sports hero and he's smart and he he's liked by everyone. And then uh, it's kind of the opposite when they go to university. Marianne is the sociable one who's at first sight at least uh, liked by everyone, but obviously we find out later, spoiler alert, that uh, all of those people that she knew wasn't really that good friends with her. And she only really had like one or two people that were close to her. And, and Connell is probably the only one who knows the real her. Um, mm. But I, I kind of wanted to explore uh, this idea. Katie, you mentioned it earlier. Uh, one of the similarities between Connell and John is that they're both Irish heartthrobs. And I kind of wanted to, I kind of wanted to explore oh, no. that idea as uh, off Connell as being like a, a heartthrob because, uh, like twenty years ago in in movies, like that's not his character was not the the popular one. So I was just wondering what your thoughts were about that. Um, yeah, feel free for anyone to answer. I guess I'll go. Um... I mean, definitely there's been a shift in culture towards, you know, the untraditional masculinity um, and how having feelings is just more accepted as a guy, I think. And women find that really attractive in men when they're able to be in touch with their feelings. But 
Connell, similarly to Marianne, are, is also incredibly emotionally stunted and doesn't know how to access his feelings most of the time. Um, so it's interesting to kind of watch him evolve as a character and go from someone who cares a lot about his kind of popularity, outward appearance, um, to someone who, you know, is willing to give in to some of those kind of deeper emotional feelings that he's feeling for Marianne and his vulnerability with her is something that I think a lot of women find really attractive now. Um, and, you know, it's n it's not traditional to see a man cry on TV, but they were willing to show that. And I think that comes through in like the, those two characters, most intimate moments um, that you don't have to be the, you know, toughest guy in the room to be fundamentally the most attractive guy in the room. Yeah, I mean, look at John. He's a fighter, too. I know he's in boxing classes and everything, but he's still in touch with his emotions. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely yeah, a big softy. <laughs> Definitely a big softy um, and really not tough. But uh, he, yeah, I, I guess I didn't really see it coming necessarily um, from reading the book that he was necessarily going to be loved by um, uh, the women of the world, I guess. But uh, I wonder how much to, uh, of like it is to do with the looks of the character that plays him. Um, mm. But I think definitely I would agree with Katie that uh, I mean, it's definitely a positive step for taking that men can be more open about their emotions. And I guess women appreciated that all along. Definitely. I think something that was that was really cool about his kind of um, journey as a, as a character in this show and in this story is that for me, he went from this like pretty confident guy, popular, as we said, in high school and then comes to university where he really... Uh, has trouble like fitting in and being confident and like i guess he feels like he's uh in some ways like bluffing that he's not supposed to be there and then having this like breakdown but then in the end of the show i think like finding some of that confident and being more kind of in tune with who he is uh because even though he's like confident in the beginning of the show or in the beginning of the story he's he doesn't really know who he is. And I think that's like a journey all of us do in our early like twenties, at least for me, like, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts on that, John? Yeah, definitely. No, I, I'd agree with you there. And I think that's why it's funny the way, um, you know, when we're all heading into college, we have many adults telling us that, you know, we're about to go into the best four years of our lives. Um, and I wonder actually how much they sort of set us up for failure a bit in saying that because as we know like 18 to 22 you're sort of discovering the power of the mind for one in my case a bit um, and you're just you're on your own um, and like Connell experienced like you're no longer you don't you no longer necessarily have that safety net of um, what you built up as a kid. Um, and I think it's particularly difficult. I was in Dublin and you know went to college in Dublin. Um, and so at least I had my friends from high school and the likes around me. But um, I know I struggled uh, in those first couple of years to, to make friends and a lot my own uh, doing, but um, it was a big part of it was just I wasn't kind of mature enough and I wasn't didn't have the confidence levels. So um, I think it's a it's it's a nice, you know, change to the usual coming of age story that we hear and just a more realistic um, version of what it's like to go to college uh, compared to what we've seen in the American films, um, I guess. So that that was really that's really refreshing, I guess, to have out there, isn't it? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, I think one of the main kind of themes, or I don't know if it's a theme, but something that's like a, yeah, I, let's call it a theme. This yeah. like pressure of, of like being cool, accepted and liked versus doing what feels right. I think uh, we explore this in, this in the show by like Connell not wanting to, 
tell his friends about Mary that he's like dating Marianne. Um, what have you, Katie? Like, have you ever kind of struggled with that in your life? Yeah, for sure. I think that that's just like a shared experience for all teenagers mm-hmm. and young adults. I think you know you you're spending so much time and energy when you're a teenager trying to figure out who you are and a lot of who you are is defined by how others view you. And then as you become a more autonomous adult, as you grow older, you have a greater sense of self and you kind of stop caring so much about what others think of you. And you're able to kind of just do what feels best for you. And I think watching the characters go through that kind of transition of, um, trying to fit in, trying to, you know, do what others expect them to do, behave the way that others expect them to behave. And then at some point just being like, I don't really care what others think. I just want to do what feels right for me is something that most people experience during those kind of years. And I Mm -hmm. think that's kind of why the story is so compelling because it's so relatable. Because I, I felt like watching the show, you can, and I guess for you, John, having read the book and really knowing his thoughts, it really seems like he knew, uh, Connell knew that what he was doing was wrong, that he wasn't supposed, like he was, he treated Mar- uh, Marianne very badly. And I think it's the same kind of in our own lives. We always know when we're doing the wrong thing, but it's still, wh- why do you think it's so hard to like do the right thing? You know, it's the right thing to do, uh, but you still kind of don't do it uh i i think i guess just you know self-image and your status amongst your peers is so important to you as a kid um and uh that it's really hard to break away from the norm in in that sense and to do something uh a little bit unusual um so yeah as katie said it's just a shared experience we've all encountered it um and it it sort of lasts even as we get a bit older it's you see it people still like to have their clicks you know and uh we're still faced with the odd decision oh do i um do i bring this friend into this friend group or um just decisions like that where you're still tested a bit to just sort of do the right thing i guess mm-hmm. um, yeah i guess i guess that's what building character is i don't know <laughs> yeah. um and uh, this next kind of bullet point i have here i'm not sure if neither of us is old enough to discuss this uh but uh i found like when, when looking for kind of researching questions for this conversation i came across one person on some forum who wrote nothing ever quite lives up to first love uh and i do think i mean it's like feels wrong to kind of discuss this when you're 23 no 24 25 and 26 years old because you know we don't know what it's like to be married for 20 years even if it wasn't the first person you fell in love with but anyway what what are your kind of initial thoughts on this uh katie why don't you go first um I think the thing with your quote unquote first love is that it tends to occur over very significant moments in your like early adulthood. Most people will, you know, go through some form of like an intense romantic relationship from the age of like 16 to 22. And that's a really like shaping time in your life. And so I think the reason why it feels so intense is because the emotions that come with love are really intense, but you're also going through very intense kind of stages of your life and you're doing it with this person by your side and so they become such an ingrained part of your story and I think that that's just it's not it's irreplaceable until you find someone that you do you know genuinely go through the rest of your life with um but I think just also when you're young everything is heightened everything is new it's exciting it's scary um but I think it's wrong to say that nothing lives up to your first love. I don't think every anything ever feels the same as your first love. That's for sure. But I think love, every time you find it, feels a little bit different in both good or not so good ways. Um, 
And I think that's kind of the beauty of it is that it doesn't matter how many times you fall into it. It's always going to be a little bit different. So, yeah, that's a that's a great answer. Uh, I, I really do think that's that's true and and that you're right on that one. I just feel every time I talk about something like this, that's, you know, these questions are qu quite deep, I guess. Uh, but but it's, it's kind of the same thing when I find like old like journey ent entries or something like that about these things. It's like in in just five years, you you look back at it and you're like, oh, what an idiot. You had no idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this, this, this whole conversation might be the same thing. Us talking about love. <laughs> but uh, I do just anyway. think you grow so much in your first love and like it's really going to shape the way that you think about love moving forward whether or not it's a positive or a negative experience and I think Marianne is a perfect example of that of you know Connell really like basically fucked with her emotions in high school and then she fell into these you know relationships with the wrong guys who didn't treat her well and I think you know young people need to be very aware of the patterns that they're creating in their first loves because mm -hmm. those are things that are going to replicate as they grow older yeah. um and you just can't deny the lasting impression that it leaves on you it's a really important part of your life yeah i, I was really offended by how the show depicted swedes and sweeter <laughs> it, 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 yeah she it, goes to Sweden, doesn't she yeah she does i was very surprised and it looks like I guess it the design like the set of that episode is uh, is very cold, uh, yeah. and uh, yeah, very Scandinavian looking. Everything is gray, white, and yeah, just cold and empty. <laughs> but uh, I guess we have to blame ourselves for we have to suit ourselves with that one. Uh, all right, John, I have a, a pretty tough question here for you. Oh. Uh, <laughs> What do you think Connell and Marianne's love story or story in general uh, can tell us about love? Or let me rephrase that. What do you think Connell and Marianne's relationship tells us about love? Oh, man. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. 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 No, I'm, I'm, no, no, no. No, I mean, what do I think? Um, I guess, well, it, number one, it's never easy. Um, and I think... Uh, never easy and that sacrifices need to be made um by both people um and i guess it's hard because we don't know how they end up so we don't know if despite their ups and downs if they if they survive it um but uh i guess i i like the i was kind of looking at a couple of book reviews and was uh, read a few lines from the book again, which I would like even just reading the, the little snippets from the book, I would still highly recommend you guys read it because it's so brilliantly written. Um, but some of the descriptions of how, you know, their conversations felt um, and how they just kind of flowed, uh, I guess uh, was, you know, very uh, they she just put it so beautifully um so compatibility is a big is an important part of it um but uh, i'm i'm losing the run of myself here um <laughs> but i i get well it should be said that it's hard for me to say because i as you guys know didn't have like I'm kind of going through my first love so to speak I would say mm -hmm. um, at the, the late age <laughs> the ripe old age of 25 <laughs> and so Adam you mentioned how uh you know we might look back in this conversation and think to ourselves that we still know still knew nothing about what we were doing um and I sort of feel like I have some sort of uh, a hold on it um but you're probably right I'm sure I'll look back on this and think oh what a what an idiot um but uh yeah i think from marianne and connell we just the ups and downs and to stick with it yeah. well i think a certain someone is going to be happy to hear your answer on that one <laughs> <laughs> the kind of reveal there uh and i i just want to add that i think uh what it kind of taught me is that uh really the, the value of like the importance of communication 
there were so much, I think, in their relationship that if they just would have been like open with each other and talked it through, it wouldn't have been a problem. Like for example, there is yeah, um, there's one part where um, uh, Connell can like he loses his job and can't afford to pay rent for the summer, so he has to go back home, while uh, back to Sligo, while Marianne stays in Dublin. And if they just would have talked about that, I don't think they would have broken up that time, and they could have avoided a lot of. We could have avoided the last few episodes or the last, I guess, uh, third of the book. Uh, all that sad stuff <laughs> happened. Yeah. Uh, Definitely. Yeah. I think, can I, no, go ahead. Can Kate. I just jump in? I think um, the entire show, I don't know about the book, but the entire show is everything that they didn't say to each other. Like, it's the moments when you're like, just fucking say something that makes the show so compelling. Because you're right. like, you've had those moments where you're like standing in front of someone and all you want to do is say something, but you just can't bring yourself to say it. And I think it's just like a perfect example of like everything. When If you love someone, tell them. If you feel something, say it. Because otherwise, these like massive <laughs> breaks in communication happen. And I think that was such a fascinating thing that they did in the show of how they could show the exact same scenario from two such from two points of view and you could just be like you guys just experienced the same moment in two completely different ways yeah yeah for sure no no definitely and i think that was one of the thing you put it very nicely and i think that was one of the things that really kind of uh affected me from the show that that because it, it's so obvious when you see these two people and you get to experience every situation from each of their perspectives and you, you can see it like, oh, just fucking say it or, you know, <laughs> yeah, you really it's it's so obvious when you're when they're supposed to say something or when they're supposed to do something. But real life is not always like that. We don't always know, uh, you know, what to say and when to say it. And I think looking at them really re made me reflect on like some similar kind of situations in my own life. When I think back and I was like, oh, fuck, why didn't I just say that? Why didn't I do this? We could have avoided all these issues and all these fights. Uh, and uh, I kind of guess it goes back to what we talked about earlier about uh, doing what we know is right, knowing what to say, uh, and instead kind of choosing the easy way out and uh, just, uh, yeah. Yeah, well said. And uh, I think... All right, so here is one of my favorite quotes from. It's from the book, but it's in the movie, uh, in some way as well. It's uh, um, all right. Here it goes. Marianne had the sense that her real life was happening somewhere very far away, happening without her, and she didn't know if she would ever find out where it was or be become a part of it. Have you, John? Have you ever experienced kind of this feeling about of your life happening somewhere else? Yeah, um, I think I have, you know, and it would be um, in the early couple of years of college for me. Um, and it was, you know, in my situation, I was kind of struggling to make friends in that early first couple of years. And it sort of chipped away at me uh, and my confidence. And it was sort of to the point where, like, I'd be walking around trinity funnily enough um and sort of look around and see different groups of friends and knowing that i was perfectly capable of having friends um i sort of just felt like there was that that was waiting for me somewhere down the line um and uh sure enough it did happen and i, I um eventually made a great bunch of friends um but that that was uh, how I guess I, I related to those feelings, um, and it's really I think something that you you feel when you're young as well, where you just you don't really know any better. Sometimes you think that uh, that this is the this is the be all and end all, and that it well whereas in reality everything you know everything is changing. Um, from day to day and uh everything is uh is a cycle and the next the next month um could be a lot better um, yeah 
Yeah, no, I, I definitely think it's something you go through when you're young as well, because you're kind of exploring all these different paths you could potentially go down. And you're like, oh, if I chose this thing, I, I would be this person or I could have this life. But if I do this, I can have this life and do that thing. Right. Yeah, that's true as well. Yeah. Um, Kitty, did watching this show give you another perspective on relationships? Um. Coming from someone who has had a couple of serious relationships, I think, you know, I think my understanding of what relationships are is beginning to shift and what their purpose are is beginning to shift. And I think the show really exemplified that for me of that you can be two people who are great for each other, but that doesn't mean that the moment is right. And I think... Um, I think in the end, that kind of love story that we've been told since we were little kids of, you know, true love always prevails and soulmates are real and all of these things, they're just not realistic. And I think it was really refreshing to see a more realistic depiction of a relationship on TV. Um, And I think, I think it was just, Two people who were so drawn to one another, undeniably drawn to one another, and it was beautiful to watch. And I think um, it just puts you know, the role into perspective a little bit, and it doesn't need to be all super romanticized. It can be mm. a bit more realistic. Um So I think it was just extremely validating seeing kind of like pop culture show that more realistic portrayal of love. Yeah, that's great. Um, John, what do you think, what do you make of the ending of this? I'm sorry for anyone who hasn't seen this show, but I doubt that anyone who hasn't seen it made it this far through this episode anyway. Uh, John, what do you make of the ending? Do you find it, did you find it happy, sad? Uh, and uh, yeah, if you need a refresher, let me know. <laughs> yeah, no, I a little bit, but I my I remember kind of my feeling towards it was just not one of being disappointed or sad. Um, I was kind of like almost impressed of as to how she um, uh, ended it, um, and she really introduced uh, the I guess a challenge that so many of us face um, at that stage of our lives where maybe people are living in different countries and the ne- I feel like the next big challenge potentially for them, although they've sort of did it, was going long distance. The old, you know, and Katie, you could speak to this more than I, but um, I, I, I like the way she, she ended it um, and it was sort of in line with the whole uh, feeling throughout the the book and show, I imagine that um, this isn't a perfect relationship. It was never going to be the perfect ending. So uh, it was just nice and realistic. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it would have been a disservice for them to give them a perfect ending. Yeah. yeah well, that leads me to the next, next question. Uh, what do you think would happen in a sequel to Normal People? Um, I you, I saw that you um, were possibly going to ask this question, and I thought to myself that maybe a there's a thing that Irish um, students do where they come on a J one for a summer in New York, and he was supposed to be coming to New York, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So maybe she'd come here for a summer, um, and they'd test out their relationship in New York um and fail <laughs> oh, basically. um but no I, I i don't know what what do you think katie um i think i loved part of the sh- thing about the show that i loved was how they use time as a mechanism to tell the story and how a lot of you know really intense love stories happen over quite a short period of time like i think of call me by your name where it was like a really intense romance over a summer But this was a love story that spanned years and they didn't really need to explain the timeline to us. We just kind of innately understood it. Mm. And I think it would be really fascinating to watch these two characters, you know, 
potentially 10 years in the future. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that they would have stayed in touch. They stayed in touch for so long um, throughout the story. Um, but I, I don't think that they would end up together. I think, I think that they're both going to grow in different ways. And maybe Connell, you know, finds his calling in New York and finds someone in New York or multi like has multiple relationships in New York. But I think they'll always be a part of each other's lives. And I think they'll always find joy in watching each other grow. But I don't think that they were meant to have their happily ever after. I don't think that that's what they were destined for. Who, who do you think Connell would end up with? Like what kind of a person would he end up with? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I think... I think one of the problems with both Marianne and Connell is though at face value, they seem so different. They're, they're incredibly similar. Like they're both these like tough personas, you know, Connell being this jock and Marianne being this person who's like, I don't care what you think of me, but they're both, you know, just so reluctant to be vulnerable. And that's what causes so much of their miscommunication. And I think both of them ultimately would have ended up with people that needed to, reassure them that being vulnerable and being open and communicating is not a sign of weakness and i think i just don't think that they could have ever made it work listening to you say this like it, it becomes obvious that your therapist is very good it's working yeah because you have such a i don't know if it's because you've like you thought about this a lot of, of your on your own, but you had like such a nice vocabulary for it. <laughs> Thank <Actually>. you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, John, is there anything else you kind of learned or took away from this story? Um, I think one uh, element that maybe we didn't touch on was the issue of their different backgrounds in terms of um class or like income levels um and in the bits that i read just uh online before this that was really something that um people focused in on uh and i think it was a, just an interesting um perspective on say somebody um from sligo and from a lower middle class that uh Connell, Connell came from trying to fit in with Marianne's new friends, um, uh, the the Dubliners, um, maybe these these posh Dubliners um, who uh, I sense that he really didn't find them all that welcoming, and he didn't. Uh, my feeling was that he didn't feel like he had that much in common with them, and was sort of, you know, amazed by their carry-on in, in some ways. Um, and that's just a, a, a very uh, interesting part of the book. Um, and I think, you know, there's also, you know, some people will say, uh, well, I have one friend that tells me anyway that it's very unlikely in Ireland um, for somebody to, to be in a relationship uh, with somebody who's at a different um, class to them, so to speak. Um, and we were seeing the difficulties with it uh, in this book, um, but also possibly that it's that it is possible. Uh, I'm an optimist in those kind of things, but um, I know my friend uh, would say differently. So mm. I, I think that was it's definitely an issue in Ireland. Um, and probably Dublin in particular, but I'm sure it's something that, you know, those in, uh, you know, Britain or Sweden or the States can can relate to as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I do think that's true. Um, but w why do you think that is? Like, why do you think we, or a, lo a lot of people, um, according to your friend anyway, like end up uh, dating or being in a relationship with someone from the same, like, socioeconomic class? Um, I don't know, man. It's, um, I guess, uh, it, it all just depends on how the person, the people, um, at, in the relationship respect, uh, the, the backgrounds of their partner, really. 
um, and how they go about dealing with it and if they're um, respectful of, of both situations. Um, mm -hmm. And I imagine that it's, can be, it could be quite hard um, to, to maybe if, to, fit, to feel like you're fitting in um, if you are from the lower middle class trying to fit in the upper and vice versa. Um, I'm sure, I don't know what the statistics are, but I imagine my friend is probably right in saying that the majority of people do end up with uh, people from their own social, um, yeah. socioeconomic. I, get, I, get, I mean, I guess in a way it would make sense because if you're in the same, like, you know, socioeconomic class, you probably end up going to the, to the same schools. Like you have maybe similar right. hobbies you live in, in uh, like in the same areas. So I guess that has something to do with it as well. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, let's let's leave that because I don't think I don't think anyone of anyone of us really knows have the answer to that questions question. Um, Katie, do you have anything else um, you learned or took away from the story? Um, I think it was just. I think I've said this before, but just a really refreshing take on romance in pop culture. And I think, you know, I would, if I could go back to my younger self as like a 16-year-old who's filled with emotions that I would tell her to watch that show and say, you know, this is a much more realistic depiction of what love looks like than the, you know, rom-coms that you're watching right now um and i think it was just a beautifully captivating show and i got through it extremely fast i know you got through it extremely fast too adam yeah, um, like two days or something like that <laughs> yeah. and i think it's just it's um i think the beauty of it is that you can just see so much of yourself in those characters and the showing people is not perfect is such an important thing right now none of us are perfect and we all have our struggles and it's okay to have those struggles and it's okay to have to and it's okay not to be okay a lot of the time it touched upon mental health in a really important way especially for connell um mm -hmm. when mental health for guys i don't think is something that's talked about enough um and yeah, I just think it set a really nice tone for pop culture moving forward. And it set a standard for um, how to depict these important topics for young people. So yeah. it was really nice. And, and more realistic sex scenes as well. Oh, yeah. The sex <laughs> scenes were great. We need to have... I, Separate podcasts for that. <laughs> I remember when guys. Bridesmaids came out and everyone was like, oh, the opening sex scene in that is hilarious because it's so accurate to real sex, blah, blah, blah. But even that was kind of a satirical take on like what sex is. And I think having those, you know, intimate moments in a more realistic fashion is a nice contradiction against uh, how pop culture tends to show it. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um, I'm just glad it happened in Ireland because... We need that, you know. We're we're an awkward people. <laughs> we need we need to have those conversations uh, with our parents at nine o'clock in the evening as we watched um, Connell and Marianne go at it. Um, it it's it's going to do a lot, families, a lot of Irish families will be having some great conversations in the back of it. So, yeah. so could you just like before we wrap up here, could you just like try to imitate like what would a parent say to his, to his or her kid when they want to have the talk like can you do it in, an, in a really irish accent as well like really pretend you have a kid accent. and and you have to you have to have the talk with him or her what uh, do you say there you are now john that's how it's done that's how it's done. <laughs> take note it ain't pretty <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's great. Uh, well, I love how this... much amusement Adam gets from your eyes. I know it's so it's so easy to please him. It's great. I know that, that's one another reason why I really love the show and why you're not the first Irish person I had on this show either. And you're not going to be the last. The other, yeah, yeah, really great. great. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, this conversation is exactly what I hope for. Is it's a conversation about a TV show that I just stumbled upon not really stumbled upon it was recommended to me by the two of you uh 
but I, that I really loved and, and really had an impact on me, I felt like. And we kind of talked about it um, in relation kind of to our own life and our lives and experiences. Uh, so I don't think you have necessarily have had to see the show to get something out of this episode, even though we spoiled a lot of it probably. So, but you should still watch it. Um, and I've been waiting. I'm going to be curious to hear your pers- point of view, Adam, after you watch it the second time. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah, th- that's coming up next week. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, and I, I've been waiting to have this conversation and, and kind of write, sit and write these questions um, because there were a lot of things going through my mind. So I'm really grateful that both of you took the time out of your busy lives. <laughs> it was a good conversation. Interesting. And now I'm definitely going to go read the book. It's actually sitting in my bedroom upstairs. So I need to see it from the book point of view. Yeah, yeah, me too. Me too. Great to talk to you guys again and highly recommend the book. Um, but a pleasure as always. It really was. Thanks, guys. Sure. See you guys. You got your back against the wall. I can see by the way that you hold your head. And everything is your fault. When everything starts to heat, it's on you Cause you promised not to fall Before it grew, you said you would